0: Be Saturday. What day is it today? Wednesday.
1: Exactly.
0: Ah! Welcome to Film Fight Club. I'm with Falcon Slammer Falcon Screen and we are joined by Sydney filmmaker Chris Evans. Hello. And freelance writing critic for Rutnehru. Hello, hello. Now, this week, we are doing Jumanji, the next level, the sequel to the 2017 film, which is in cinemas come Boxing Day. We are talking a little bit about the year that was, some of our general thoughts that we are reserving our best of 2019, proper discussion, and best of the decade to the new year when 2019 is properly done. And we'll be doing a bit of Star Wars speculation, because we'll be seeing The Rise of Skywalker midnight tonight, as soon as it opens. We're in for a sleepless, exciting uh, hyperspace... Night, movie night.
1: I you, mean... Only way to watch movies is to not...
2: Sleep? Yeah. Only way to watch movies is like Clockwork Orange with the eyes peeled open, guys. But, uh, you know, torture is an important part of any yeah. cinephile. You know, we torture ourselves to watch films that we have no interest in. Yeah. And we torture ourselves by staying up way past our bedtimes and then trying to go live at 3 a.m. to discuss what we thought of them
0: Yes. and not fall asleep. We're literally coming straight from the movie... To the 2SCR Studio to do a live broadcast on Star Wars: Rise and we guarantee this—we won't be. Rise looking, of Skywalker. We're not going to look at the internet. We're not going to know what anyone said. It'll be as un, unfiltered. It's just going to be us coming at you with That's our right. Star Wars opinions, which
2: could be interesting. Uh, when I came out of the Last Jedi, my initial response was, Me. "Wow, no, okay, <laughs> no, <laughs> no." My initial wasn't. response was, "That was really good. Everyone's going to be pleased. What a step up from the last one." And I had no idea. Because the film hadn't been
0: released in America yet, that everyone was going to hate it, yeah, we're going to be doing a three a m spoiler free discussion. Our spoilers discussion will be happening in the new year when everyone's really probably had a chance to see it, and if you're not a creative person like us and not up at three a m then you can we'll be putting up the podcast right away,
2: yeah, but w- w- how do we feel going into this star Wars
0: like how are we feeling about the trilogy as a whole right now i'm 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 actually kind of excited in some ways because I feel. The, Ro- the Last Jedi covered the narrative arcs that of both Empire and Return of the Jedi to an extent, so I'm not quite sure what narrative arc we will see come the film tonight. What I hope for is that this will at least be something different. Yeah, I
2: think Yeah, because The Force Awakens was so shockingly based on fan service. Like that was it.
0: Like it But it needed to be to
2: an extent so remix. I could
0: give it to some degree.
2: I, I think it was a bad idea um to to so because I think Disney needed to establish that Star Wars was something that could be cool to a new generation of people and I think what your parents like is always going to be a little bit uncool I think they they tried to have their cake their cake and eat it too um you know get get the old pe- old Star Wars fans people who saw it when it came out um on board and get their kids to like it and, you know, sometimes it really works. Like, they clearly targeted the parents, not the kids, with the Lion King CGI remake this year. Yeah. You, you know, but um, Star Wars, the crowd is a little bit older and maybe it rejects things that are too much like old things that their parents like.
0: Look, I'm not a the fan of the Force Awakens. It was a couple of years ago, and I've watched The Last Jedi for the third time earlier this week and I like it more and more each time I see it. So I am, I hope there isn't a reversion to fan service or the traditional narrative arc, but I am looking forward to this. I
2: think the last Jedi was a decisive step in to let's try and do something a bit different. It's still very traditionally Star Wars and playing with similar kind of conflicts setups and ideas to what we had in the original series, but it also tried to introduce some fresh ones and not be a carbon copy. Um, I think the worst thing the series could do right now is to step right back into nostalgia baiting
1: yeah, well, I love Star Wars. It is such a great franchise. Great T-shirt, Vrutt. Yeah, thank. Oh yes, guys, if you can't see it because this is radio, I'm wearing a Star Wars T-shirt because yeah. I love the franchise so much.
2: Vrutt's being ironic, by the way. <laughs> if you uh, went, if you didn't detect it because of the way he keeps saying the, the word franchise. <laughs> but
1: yeah, that is okay. No, no, but the what thing was, is, I wanted to ask because I have this very dumb question: uh, Is the Force Awakens- what is Star Wars? <laughs> no, is the Force Awakens the same movie as Rogue One?
0: No, I rewatched watched Rogue One two days ago, and but Rogue One in, has in many more way? redeeming aspects. Like, spiritually, is it the same movie? <laughs> no. <Or> like, <laughs> like we, what? We, this is
2: the third in the reboot, right? This yeah, one but is they but they watch. also, Disney had the idea that they could release a Star Wars movie every year, and maybe even more than one Star it Wars movie every work, year. It didn't work, in Solo was terrible. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, they released... But they're
1: officially only nine in the canon, right? That's right. Yes. Well, but
2: but the, these the are ones, title crawls. But the, these other spin-off movies are also considered canon. Um, Rogue One, you know, was the in betweener one between. Like the ah, thing so I, the Rogue One
1: and and yeah. Solo are the in betweeners.
2: Yes, the the difference. Oh, okay, there was a big difference in um, how Disney's handled this to the way that Lucas did, because Lucas would put out a Star Wars movie every three years when it was time for a Star Wars trilogy, whereas Disney wanted them out wanted a Star Wars movie every year. So the. Series movies come out every once every two years. and it's
0: just not special anymore. No, that's There's right. It's not a joy to seeing Star Wars, no that's, sense of anticipation. That's you exactly right. have
2: The right. Mandalorian on, on TV. Yes, now, on which Plus. apparently
0: is very good. I haven't seen I've, it yet. I've been told otherwise. <laughs> it's but, Disney uh, Plus. I, I, I have heard mixed views, but mostly I've heard it's very good. Nothing so, on Disney Plus is good.
2: In the in-between years, the plan was to have um, movies like Rogue One and like boba fett a star wars story or whatever okay. um but, but solo kind of well, well yeah ideas. i think disney so were it lost adamant over
0: 100 million dollars it Great. lost
2: it lost closer to 2 million 200 million i think should have lost more so clearly didn't stop them from making another one but, of these yeah disney um were adamant about releasing solo uh in the summer season instead of keeping to that once a year at christmas thing um Probably because they were trialing to see if they could step this up like Marvel and release Star Wars more than once a
0: year. And Marvel realized yeah. too they've had to take a break. Was well, it Marvel 2? It's the same. But Marvel Marvel is
2: stepping it up even more. In the um they're having their their break is really just a brief blip. Marvel in the future are going up to four movies a year. Starting twenty twenty one and going into twenty twenty two.
0: Wow. Yeah. And a Marvel film every season. And What a marvel, eh? More on the rise of Skywalker. I'm, I am, I know the title is seen as very generic, but I'm fascinated by its implications. What it could mean could it mean the rise of Ben Solo or Kylo Ren? Could it mean the rise of an idea of what a Skywalker or Skywalker is? There's a lot of fascinating dimensions that we're going to be unpacking, spoiler free come through am or if you're a normal or if you're or when you wake up you can just listen to the podcast but but what
2: if it's actually just that like luke skywalker rises from his dream because the last movie was all a dream and don't worry fanboys <laughs> the last jedi you know none of that mattered it's just luke being like
0: hey hey ben hey kylo I the how, are you, how you awful doing
2: dream they made me out to be some, some you know some coward who gives up on the force and Etc. No, I, I like The Last Jedi, but it's this is Adam, what a lot of Adam Driver,
1: think. and he can't do any wrong about that. That's this the point. thing. The most interesting thing so about good. this
2: series is Kylo Ren. And don't you just wish that Kylo Ren was the
0: protagonist? You know what? Kylo Ren is a better villain than Darth Vader. He's more interesting in more dimensions. By far, And Kylo- he's a petulant teenager who can wield this power. It's it's fascinating to yeah, me. I yeah, love yeah. watching him. He, his
2: internal con. His internal conflict is interesting. What I loved when I saw Force Awakens, the one thing that I really responded to in that film was Kylo Ren because I thought he makes
0: the dark side of the Force relatable. And for anyone who says that Darth Vader has the same sort of conflict, true. But it's only introduced in the second half of Return of the Jedi. It's not as apparent throughout the whole series.
2: Vader is just the gravitas of um, James Earl Jones' voice and a really cool outfit. He's just a stern evil guy. Um, Kylo Ren makes the dark side into being just a thing that evil wizards do, into being something that works somewhat as a metaphor for the dark impulses that we could go into, which is what the dark side of the Force has always been, but it's
0: never felt relatable. Kylo Ren is a relatable villain. Yep. It's the best thing that they could have done with Star Wars. Whenever I think of Kylo Ren, uh, I, I comparing to Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes, hmm. I, I, I think it's the type of person Calvin would be if he had force-like powers. Yeah, the way
2: that he he's so petulant and he... he, he he has such a massive chip on his shoulder. Fire everything! He has such yeah. a chip on his shoulder about his legacy. And Adam Driver is just such a great actor. He is. That, yeah. uh, while you're talking
1: about that, James L. Jones, I suddenly had the light bulb moment. We have two, uh, you know, from Star Wars, people who have completely iconic act, you know, characters in completely opposite spectrums with Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker and the Joker, completely opposite realms. And also James L. Jones with... Darth Vader and uh, Mufata from The Lion King.
0: Oh, we're going to get to talking about The Lion King uh, in some res- tangentially when we do our cats coverage. Now we were <laughs> going to be talking about cats this week before Sorry. it announced it. Yeah, great segue. However, um the. Uh, Distributor retroactively told us about an embargo, which lifts tomorrow 11 a.m. So we're going to drop
2: me and Glenn. We got to catch it. We're going to drop our thoughts on cats on the podcast at 11 a.m. Otherwise, thank God I was not there. Otherwise, you can hear it next week when we put to our Christmas special, the Star Wars Christmas
0: special, Star
2: Wars holiday special (laughs) with Star. Happy Life (laughs) Day,
0: everyone. (laughs) With Star Wars and cats coverage, but Star Wars. But as promised. We are going to be talking Star Wars, Star Wars, about Jumanji: The Next Level. Okay,
2: but before we talk about Jumanji,
0: because I just love hijacking the
2: show, (laughs) um,
0: final predictions for the rise
2: of Skywalker. Uh,
0: I think it will be above average, more than serviceable enjoyment, not necessarily grand.
1: Me too. Daisy Ridley dies in the first five minutes, and it's all about Kylo Ren.
2: I wish, but she's she's just not an interesting character. Most of the new ones exactly. aren't exactly. Why didn't they kill her off? Kylo already? is interesting. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Uh, the Emperor, the Emperor has has studied Darth Plagueis the Wise, and he's reconstructed <laughs> a new body from him. His Force Ghost is so powerful. But this, if this happens, by the way, I haven't read spoilers. I've just guessed it. Okay? Yeah, with pure,
0: speculation. pure yeah, speculation. I have no idea what happens.
2: Yeah, he, he's reconstructed a new body for himself and he's taking over the First Order and maybe he has mind control or something. I don't know. Or oh, he's it's just that powerful that people bow down to him.
0: They're actually... And what I would like is some incredibly nuanced approach to what uh, Kylo intimated in the throne room scene where, you know, forget the light, dark... You and me, Ray. We're going to take over in some form. We're not going to be the light side. We're not going to be bad. We're just going to be these semi-all powerful. Which people. is an
2: idea that fell into line with what Luke Skywalker was saying—that you know there should just be balance instead of an idea of everything of like true evil, true
0: good. But what I would like to see is a continuation of this idea that's pervaded both films now with force-sensed people who aren't necessarily Jedi, utilizing the force in different ways, and this pervading itself throughout the galaxy.
1: Yeah, it would be cool. I would appreciate a proper explanation of what the force can actually do.
0: It's like, a, if the force is uh, just uh, vague we, we space magic. Or, or
1: maybe more. Baby
0: Yoda can do me a solid... Yeah, you know, to this day, we don't know what Yoda's species is. It's not canon. <laughs> we don't actually know. We know he's from Dagobah, but everyone's calling him Baby Yoda. Yoda's his name. It's not the species name. We don't know what Yoda is. Yeah, you know, we don't. That's right. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, Jumanji, the next level? <laughs> yeah, the sure. next okay. level.
2: Next level. <laughs> we progress past the Star Wars level <laughs> and now we're at the Dwayne Johnson space level. So oh, this, I don't Smolder, know what that means. I'm sorry. Smoldering face. I'm really, smoldering I'm smoldering intensity. intensity. Smoldering intensity, yes. Yeah, that is it. That, we're at that level. So yeah. this is
0: the sequel to the uh, great Ron Williams film in the 90s. Still to this day with <laughs> one exception the film I've watched more than any other film. No,
1: it's a reboot. It's not even a sequel. It's no, a, no it, is, it is a sequel. But it's
0: directly you know, in the timeline. They
2: established in the first yeah, film. Yeah, it's a sequel that is a remake. It's that it's that crafty Hollywood, like The Force Awakens. It's that crafty Hollywood thing of like, we know you'll be upset if we say that that thing you grew up with didn't happen,
0: but we also want to remake it for a new generation. And this is what that is. Yeah, Uh, it's a sequel to that film. Two years ago, Jumanji came out. It was, as many said, I don't agree with the whole line. Way better than deserved to be. It was way better than people expected. I enjoyed it. If I had kids, I'd take them. It's that sort of film. It's somewhere like directly between Wreck It Ralph two and the Pennington films in terms of quality. It's definitely. I I, I was just happy that Karen Gillan got a proper role after being like wasted in Nebula. It was a kind of kids movie. For the the first one, yes, I'd argue differently for the second one. So this one, they return back to the jungle because. Reasons to rescue the Alex Wolf character yeah, because goes, reasons. It's such a, it's kind of a dumb reasons. premise in some yeah. ways.
2: Like they, they do their best to come up with something that's tied to the character and and why he might want to go back into it. Yeah. But I still was thinking, like, really?
1: I know yeah. but, it's teenage yeah. boys.
0: You know, just just get over your hormones and just don't do dumb shit. So we also, but new in tow is Danny DeVito, my favorite in this, and Danny Glover, who get transported respectively into the bodies of The Rock and kevin hart importantly they're not playing the same awkward teenage character uh, characters they were in the first movie they're in different avatars um jack black is back playing the jock and uh, karen Gillum, however is playing the exact same character as she was in the first film she doesn't get someone and you know new that, to play. that really bugged me um i think Just because she's a really
2: good comedic she actor She's a really good comedic actor and all the way back to amy pond the thing we were saying, she was in, in
1: a really uh, self sabotage series, short lived one called Selfie, which oh, really Oh, the million one. one. Oh, the, the thing, she's no, really no, funny.
2: No. She was really that good at that. that. The thing is, the, no. the, the thing is, it just kind of goes back to um, stereotypes of like people don't know how to make women funny. Like people don't think women are funny, and so the so it, like like look at the cast of a lot of classic comedies or cartoons where it's like a bunch of funny dudes and there's the sexy girl, and Jumanji tries to um, maybe make fun of that. What's about the first one? Yes, yes we are talk- we're talking about the first one. It tra- sort of tries to make fun of that, but at the same time, it still basically just is that. She's the Lara Croft figure, and they're like, go be sexy to distract the bad guys. That was quite Even, funny it was, physical it, comedy it scene. It was funny,
0: but it was also like, maybe it would have been better to not do that at all. It, it, also, this other thing that was quite funny was when awkward teenagers, The Rock and Karen Gillan, were kissing for yes, the first it was. time. It was
2: but great. in this one, her character, who is an attractive redhead in real life, plays in the game an attractive redhead um all the other characters there there's gets to be some comedy about this character playing someone totally different jack black impersonating a teenage girl or whatever and you know now jack black being a black guy we, we have Okafina yeah new, we had the edition, other edition yeah great. and she was really yeah, funny
1: but, so i guess you know
2: but yeah it's it's just like a failure of imagination that Karen gillen barely gets to she doesn't really even, she's technically the lead in this film i mean yeah. she's the reason like
1: she's the leader for the most part of the film
2: yeah but she doesn't she doesn't get to be funny when every
0: single other person is, and it's such a waste of her talents. Yeah. Um, what is also a bit of waste. I liked the rock in this. It's quite funny seeing him play an old Danny DeVito. However, it's not quite as funny as him no. playing an uh, awkward Ocufi- Alex. Fina
1: playing an old Danny DeVito was. Uh,
0: unexpectedly funny. She, she was great in this. Um she comes in later in the movie. I quite enjoyed her performance. I quite enjoyed it. It's actually probably my favorite Kevin Hart performance. That's probably the funniest thing in the whole film is his character's allergic to cake. There's a scene where he sees cake and his reaction is very very funny. Kevin Hart look,
2: yeah, look Kevin Hart is very funny in these films. Um this is definitely the best he's been. And You're... Central
0: Intelligence underrated.
2: Right. He was good in I haven't seen it but I've heard good things about Central Intelligence actually. Um Agency
0: CIA, right? Yeah, that's right. How did you get a body like this? Well, I just uh, worked out five hours a day for twenty years. (laughs) But um, yeah,
2: his he gets to not just do his usual stick, but be funny. But in this film, I kind of got sick of him. Like, um, it's not the
1: stick gets old really quickly because there's only one stick.
2: Yeah, the problem isn't Kevin Hart's; it's on the writing side here because um, it is amusing at first seeing him play uh, um, an old guy. But after a while, I was like, it's the same joke over and over again. I'm thinking, okay, I get it. Old people are slow and dumb. We're making a movie for for millennial stereotypes. Like, it's the same joke
0: over and over again. And I've just preferred seeing Danny DeVito. Just do, he's Danny DeVito. Me too. He was the funniest thing in the I whole thought, movie.
2: Yeah, I thought, um, don't get me wrong, I thought the, these old people gags are amusing at first, but it's a pretty simple joke that's repeated ad nauseam. And this gets to, I think, what the big problem with the movie is. It recycles a lot of jokes within itself, and as well as recycling a bunch of gags from the original.
0: Um, some of the gags I didn't mind returning to the, original. the One original sequence that I liked was the Mad Max parody. There's a sequence involving mandrels, the third uh, prominent feature this the year. The action scenes are cool. There's two big chase, f- I, actually, I, I didn't chase like the mandrel fight action one. It was a little bit too much, but, and the special awareness was absolutely all over the place. Yeah. But the Mad Max ostrich parody scene yeah, was, it was, was cool. great.
1: The thing about these movies- The other one as well, in the, in the jungle, was also really funny with the staircase's.
2: Oh, that's only yeah, the, the mandrels. The mandrels, yeah, that's oh, what we're okay. talking about. Yeah, okay. um, the the fil- thing about this fil- these films um, is the premise is just fun and interesting enough and different enough, even if it's a sort of classic thing. We've been sucked into a and seeing these fun actors play against type and having a good time doing it there are, is engaging yeah, enough. That's right. It's the cast have good chemistry yeah. and the the basic premise of we are, have been trapped in a video game. Let's have some fun with that is just as yeah. when it comes to CG spectacles these days it's still kind of fresh yeah. compared to It is because you super, get to see the actors actually play out a physical comedy which right. you don't get to see. That's right. And on the screen. characters are confused about things like compared to just another smugly scripted superhero movie I definitely take this. Yeah. yeah, I mean and Jack Black I
1: miss him on screen because
0: he's yeah. He's a good comedian. He's
2: simple but like
1: his shtick of trying to be over the top is he really yeah.
0: Yeah. gets it. A couple other things I really liked about this um, they're like the Paddington films. These are fables. These have morals and they have lessons of instruction. They're not. They're a little bit blatant about it, but there's actually a, there actually are nice morals to this film, which are nice That's things for everyone. Yeah. One is about um, the vacuity of online personas, which is something that ha- very relevant
2: you, for this generation. I would say a good thing to learn,
0: whatever your age. And it, yeah. it, it, at that point drives home the other one, and it's much. It's a very moving. It's about growing old and the pain of growing old. And I appreciate that. I think anyone of any age could appreciate that in an intergenerational yeah, although, aspect which we saw between the Alex Wolf character and the Danny DeVito character. But
2: the way that it was resolved I, I thought was kind of just a cop out. Like the movie says one thing and then at the end it just reverses to the other thing. Like I didn't I didn't feel like there was really a progression into like the positive message that comes at the end. But when it comes to Danny DeVito, man, that guy's such a treasure. Just his oh, he's so uh, great. You know we don't see him much because most of the he's in the outside world and most of this movie where it taking place in the video game right but Danny DeVito just makes all of his these his lines which could have just been boring with somebody else hilarious he just has an in, inherent comic energy to him um we're
1: not talking about the the bad and the really bad which is the Nick Jonas's of this movie
0: he, he's not a bad actor
1: yeah, he's fine. He, he was fine. He was fine, I was I fine in the first film too. Yeah. But that's the thing, he's pointless. He's just fine. Oh, you know? he was him
0: and Colin Hanks and yeah. we're, were were a bit of a Dices Nigel, Nigel
1: Billingsley was more interesting. Yeah, than he's there. belly oh, in it. Rich Darby funny bit.
0: Right, you know, yeah. I actually yeah. thought he, he's
2: he's 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 good. I thought Dwayne Johnson his his Danny DeVito impressions weird. He, he's putting on an accent that I don't yeah. think Danny DeVito actually has. Yeah. Okafena was a much better Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah, she was. Um but I still I did find Dwayne Johnson's character and characterization despite not being that much like Danny DeVito amusing. Yeah. I yeah, thought his 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 super um let me at him, you know, like yeah. his macho yeah. picking fights I I thought it was funny. I thought the way that like the the part of the film they go into this town and get caught up in something with romantic intrigue and another
0: uh, you know, a oh, woman's yeah. that, that's husband hates. it actually hates. felt like, a video game. Yeah, that's right.
2: And this is it's one like of the better things game.
0: about this film versus the first film. It feels more like did a video not game. not like Bobby Cannavale in the first one. Rory McCann plays the villain here, the hound from Game of Thrones. He was perfectly fine, but um, there was consistency to the approach in how players and computer characters were treated. The villain is perfectly serviceable. But at least in the the first film, was kind of distracting the role Bobby Cannavale evolved to. Here it was just, oh, you're the standard stock villain like in any video game. You're fine. I get it. And it made the film a little more palatable. Yeah. Uh, palatable. Mm-hmm. Are you the brother of There Yeah. There are some funny gags. I do think the um, film runs out of steam about midway through. Ooh, there, I think it starts to drag. But there is one very hilarious subsequent gag involving uh, the Bethany character and her... And introduction oh, yeah. to the proceedings, which was which was, it was very interesting.
2: Funny. But it's but it's just one little thing, you know. Like and, it, it was a good but, recurring but, but visual is gag funny. in fairness. it It's funny, but
1: also it's good that you know they just didn't stop at the gag. They actually took it to a proper conclusion. And eventually, her arc, such, it wasn't just for laughs. And you know there was some emotional catharsis to it.
2: But yeah, I think just it runs out of gags. It's following the familiar plot template. It's similar to the original. At a certain point, I got sick of it. But. It's still a better-than-average kids movie. That's right. It's still a better-than-average film, a kids' film especially, and I had fun with it. There's some creativity to the humor. You know, that's rare okay.
0: these really days. So do you mind doing the next level is in cinemas come Boxing Day, and we'll be. this is Film Fight Club, and we'll be back in a moment talking all things 2019. Stay tuned.
2: Psychedelic Sunday! I'm Mr. Soup.
0: And I'm King, OPP, spinning records for your pleasure every
2: Sunday afternoon. We've got psychedelic records, soul records, and. <laughs> Downright we oh, yeah. Join us Sundays from midday for Psychedelic Sunday. 2SER 107.3. Strap yourselves in, enjoy the ride. ride.
1: This January, witness something unforgettable. Grammy Award winning R&B superstar Solange Knowles returns to Sydney Opera House with the exclusive Australian premiere of her groundbreaking new show, Witness. Featuring over 30 musicians and performers, this spectacular show reimagines songs from her acclaimed albums, A Seat at the Table and When I Get Home. Don't miss the show of the summer. Book now for Solange. Four shows only from January 27 at sydneyoperahouse.com. Two SCR sponsors.
0: And we're back on Film Fight Club with Chris Evans, Glenn Falconstein, Verrat Nehru. We've just talked Jumanji to the next level, which is in cinemas come Boxing Day. And now we're, well, we're doing a proper 2019 best of and best of the decade in the new year. We're just reflecting some of our favourite flicks of the year. What we think of this year in film. I actually thought this was a pretty good year for movies, all things considered. Yeah, Hollywood's never been worse.
2: But international films, I think, have, have been really good. Yeah, Netflix really saved the American film
0: year. Yeah, between Marriage Story, The Irishman, um, I and mean, The King isn't bad. I wouldn't put it up there with any of those. Yeah. Yeah. I it's lost a my body. Good
1: movie. Atlantics, I lost my body.
0: Is Atlantics already up on Netflix? It's, yeah, which well, yeah? yeah, yeah, comes yeah. Wow, Witcher comes I had no idea. In two days.
2: I, I'm sorry. I just realized I've got yeah, to watch Atlantics. Uh, yeah. This is the reason why we didn't do our uh, top ten list. And even I,
1: I lost my body, which is also really good. Okay, I'll, w- I I'll watch both it. Both of them would probably make yours. Knowing you.
2: Okay. Yeah. yeah. I've heard good things about both. Yeah. Um. So this is the reason we didn't make our top ten list. We've both been slack, and <laughs> we've all been slack. I should say, the trio. Yeah. Uh, in catching up on everything. But yeah. But I'll it gives us time. Gives, yeah. gives you guys time to watch some of the, and, and me, to watch some of the Boxing Day films we haven't seen yet. Like, yeah. Sorry We Missed You. Yeah. Um,
0: speaking of which, uh, one of my favourite films, of the year, I know, Rott's possibly favourite film, be a portrait of a lady on fire. It's <sighs> a boxing day, absolute right. highlight of the year. Do seek it out.
2: Yeah. Um, what else is out? Uh, well, Little the, Women is January 1st. That's yeah. a good film, but I guess it's not eligible. But
1: it's generally the the best foreign language Oscars category. I mean, it's, it's a very strong lineup this year. We have Les Miserables. We have Parasite. Parasite. We have Pain and Glory. And we have... Uh, uh, one more which is in the running Portrait of the Lady on Fire no no, no that wasn't picked Rob was picked by France Lee, that's which, which is, which that's, is yeah, that's insane that's
0: re- I haven't seen Lame is, but it would I will be very surprised if there's a film better than Portrait I have but, not but still, it, but still the like reception see, was not see, as good
1: but, but, but to but see that you know three out of like very amazingly top pain
2: glory and parasite between well, this competition like the, the, the thing about either. the for me the foreign language category at the oscars is always usually disappointing because it's um it's main it, there are often great international films out but we get the most mainstream least interesting ones paraded out um but because it's it's rare to have a situation like this year where there's the foreign language films which are both critically acclaimed and um commercially ext- successful Yeah, commercially accessible. Um, Pain and Glory and Parasite, two of my favorite films of the year, are both films that a wide audience can and have been enjoying. Pain and Glory will be on Netflix very soon as well. Yeah, and they're both also just great examples of film craft. So, you know, it's like since Hollywood has abdicated making crowd-pleasing great films, but the, uh, by I it, wouldn't be the surprised. rest of the I was, world has to pick up the slack. I was really expecting... Yeah, last
0: one was the last great isn't crowd-pleasing film, Last Jedi, which was... Yeah. There, there's been a few... Marriage good Story Hollywood is was, really um, good, I think. Ad Astro yeah. was great.
2: Calling calling Marriage Story crowd-pleasing might seem unusual, but if you look at the responses, it just shows that if you put these films out in a place people are watching them, like Netflix, people
0: will... The general it, it, yeah, audience... The, what, it's the, a thought that experience for a lot of people, more yeah. so than A Blue Valentine. Yeah, Blue.
2: Yeah. I liked it a lot more than Blue Valentine, which, you know, even though I Was think it's a decent, good film, it, it leans towards just arthouse miserabilism. Marriage Story is a great film that hits on. It's uplifting. Yeah. And, and it, it ch- hits on. It's,
0: it's, it's, a, it's kind of intuitive, but it certainly is. Yeah.
2: But if you look, engage at what's happening on the internet, this film has caught on with the general audience, which shows that the whole thinking that the audience is too dumb for smart movies is wrong. If you, if you actually trot this out in a place where people are looking for it and give it the right marketing campaign, people will flock
0: around a, a good story well told. Which is the same reason Portrait has got massive momentum after Khan, then Sydney, then all the other places, a number of. Uh, film festivals in Australia and now it's getting the release it deserves
1: and, and some of the actual uh, earlier you know the offbeat releases have also been very interesting like uh, Nadav Lapid's Synonyms which uh, that was an interesting I film for I sure. think after we caught it I think we convinced Glenn to watch it I'm not sure whether you ended I, up watching I, it I,
0: Jewish... I missed it at the Jewish Film Festival I apologize I do plan to see it if it's online I'm going to so- yeah, yeah, definitely it, source like it. I, I want to source it before our best of 2019 yeah. list
2: yeah it's not a. I don't think personally it's a great film but I think it's a good but, and but interesting one it's so one. different it's so different it's really you stands out and yeah. it has great moments and it's making
0: a few of the best of 2019 lists
2: Yeah. Um one film that uh, was at Sydney oh. Film Festival that I'm hearing is it was I think Manola Dargis' number one film of the year it was Honeyland did any of you guys catch oh, that? oh yeah yeah I, I've seen you the it? Out. And uh, how, how
1: was it? It's, it's great it's beautifully shot it's only 85 minutes yeah and I think it's had the philosophy of life through beekeeping which is a very interesting concept I'll seek it you know, out before the list yeah.
0: and to speak of Sydney Film Festival was probably my favourite Australian film of the year The Nightingale Oh yeah, uh, really good, exceptional. Yes. Yeah, um, Up there too. Well, not. Fair for for Little Monsters was great, underrated one. Haven't but Nightingale, uh, Nightingale, just, yeah, uh, it's, it's Nightingale, 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 top ten of the she's year. No question. She's such a
2: great director. Like you can say what you will about the script and whether it's not subtle enough too overstated, but man, the direction really takes you into that story. And
1: it's interesting to compare the American reactions to the film to the Australian reaction, which is yeah. a so divisive, but the American reaction has been universally great because they're like,
0: I don't know what you guys are on about. Yeah, so. It's a, it's a superbly directed involving film, which yeah. people should seek out. And it's gra- like graphic up this in a way that people fantastic. don't honestly accustomed to, mm. but um, the film could didn't take get, as a mold. I, I think it just didn't get its due in Australia. Yeah. What were you saying about Madman?
1: Um, just their lineup this year, like starting the year with Free Solo, which was fantastic. I mean, if you look at earlier in
0: the year. I oh, mean, free was, Solo, I caught that at golden yeah. age. So yeah, we're, that's a bit of our 2019. It's been a good year in huge respects. We're going to be coming back talking not out a, full. Not a
2: good year with Russell Crowe, though. That was a bad film. This has actually
0: <laughs> been a good, good year. Good yeah, year. a thumbs up. Yeah, thumbs up. Um, So we will be back at 3 a.m. on Thursday morning. If you're mad enough, tune in
2: to to 2SER at 3
0: a.m. Otherwise, check our podcast, and then uh, post-11 a.m. we'll We'll, have a podcast for cats up.
2: We'll just be telling the the artsy truckers doing the long shift what we thought about Star Wars, basically. Spoiler free.
0: And then come (laughs) Christmas next week, our Star Wars holiday special with our combined package Star Wars and Cats coverage. Yeah. Sorry I couldn't talk to you about Cats now but uh, we will be talking we will be telling you all things Cats. Night owl. see you at 3am. See at 3am. Yeah. It's good. We're going to be we're not sleeping like the next podcast you hear yep. we-, we won't have slept we're just going to be having coffee at my place and then going straight to Star Wars and it's going to be wild. It's so- going to be catastrophic. It's going to be wild. Stay tuned for The Sonic Assassin. This has been Glenn Falkenstein Chris Evans and Virat Nehru. Have a great holidays. I love Cats. And enjoy movies And good night. Bye.